All right. Here we go. On the first Sunday morning of of August in Las Vegas, I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We are here every Sunday morning at 8 on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. We are coming to you live from four different locations because for just about two and a half years now, the pandemic that began in 2020 continues to keep us out of the Fox Sports Residential Bancorp studio. I'm sitting in my bedroom at my house. Joining me from his home in Trump is our social media director, Spencer the Wiz Ostrovsky. Nobody beats the Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz. Uh, no matter where he is, the Wiz is equipped with his own theme music. And back in the Fox Sports Residential Bancorp studio is producer Chris Magnum Chapman, who aside from producing a number of shows at Lotus Broadcasting, is locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights Radio Network. Our guest will also be on the line from his home, thus four different locations. The show is also streaming on the LB Sports Network, and normally you can watch the show on Facebook Live and YouTube. The page is called Out of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. But, again, we're in four different locations. Hopefully next week we'll finally get back on video on Facebook Live and on YouTube. But following the show, um, uh, you can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter, also at Out of Line Fox LV. And, again, next week we'll try to be back on video. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome the Fox Sports Residential Bay Corp studio line is 702-876-1340. In time now for What's on Tap. What's on Tap is brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bay Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you currently own, Residential Bay Corp is the company to turn to for all of your home financing needs. Residential Bay Corp, funding America one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 today to get information on all the home financing options available in Nevada. On tap, the Vegas Golden Knights get another of their unrestricted free agents under contract Brittany Griner, not to beat a horse into the glue factory, but uh, everyone knows by now she's been sentenced to nine years in a Russian prison. We'll talk about that during Fact This. Uh, The Las Vegas Aces still among the top teams in the WNBA, sliding a little bit as of late, and we'll talk about that during Aces Up today. Today's guest, uh, good friend, and the managing editor of VegasSportsToday.com, Mike Dixon, will be joining the show in a little while. We've also got the Bones with the Raiders coming up. They play the very first preseason game in the NFL this year in the Hall of Fame game on Thursday. They win it big, uh, look good, look bad, looked okay. We'll talk about that. Also about the odds to win the Super Bowl. You might be surprised where the Raiders are. And the Las Vegas Aviators uh, this past week looks like they've played themselves out of a playoff spot in the Pacific Coast League in AAA baseball. We'll talk about that as well. Um, before we get started, guys, just real quick, wanted to say hello again. Uh, last couple weeks we've been all over the board, but we were in town last week, and uh, hopefully that'll be the case. But last night got a chance to go and uh, check out the Red Hot Chili Peppers at Allegiant Stadium. I was really concerned because, um, Chris, I know you've been there several times. Spencer, I know you've been there once or twice. Matter of fact, you went to a few UNLV games with me the last couple of years. But i got to tell you, man, I heard the acoustics were really bad 
for bands playing in there. He's typically not great in the stadium. Maybe because I was sitting like or standing right in front of the stage, they sounded really good to me. But I was actually impressed with the acoustics, and I could completely clearly hear Anthony Kiedis singing last night. Just a great concert. Chris, have you been to a concert or, or pretty much just sporting events at Allegiant? Well, uh, obviously I've been to sporting events at Allegiant. I, I have not been to a, a concert there. I, I know Elton John, who, believe it or not, is actually one of my all-time favorites. I've seen him a couple times perform here. He's playing Allegiant, I think, in November. So I may end up uh, uh, trying to, to go see Elton John, which would be a, a pretty incredible first uh Losing my virginity to a concert at Allegiant Stadium, experiencing one of my my all time favorite performers in Elton John. But uh, I've been to obviously multiple sporting events, and I could tell you from where we sit up in the press box, the we, we can't hear anything. And yeah. like they they have like performances at halftime or whatever. Like I know at the Raider games, like I, I think one of the Raider games I went to, I, I think it was too short performed. And I couldn't hear a thing in the press box, which which is disappointing. I mean, I'm, I I I like Too Short. I think he's he's had some pretty good songs, and I would have liked to have been able to hear it. But uh, even during the Raider games, when they have the band, I can't. We we can't really hear it. So, um, I I I imagine acoustically from from the floor or, or down inside the bowl, it would be a little bit different. But my experience with with the sound at Allegiant has not been great. Uh, and I understand people probably listening saying, well, you guys don't really need to hear certain things. Well, it's still nice to, to hear it because it gives you the, the feel of actually being part of the crowd. But uh, no, I, I, I haven't really had a great experience with the sound. Now, I did sit with some friends of mine at the BYU-Arizona game last year, and I didn't hear great there either. But they were they were pretty high up. So I wonder if it's a thing where the higher up you are, the more difficult it is to hear. Uh, but I, I don't know, Brian. I, I love the stadium. It's it's absolutely gorgeous. It's incredible. It's something that we needed here in Southern Nevada. Um, I'm not happy about the price tag, but you know what? You want to get nice things, you, you have to go out and spend money, and this is the way it is, and, and it's done and over with as far as that goes. But I, I do think that the acoustics and the sound inside that stadium, from my experience, and, and I'm only one person, and there's obviously people who will say, Things completely different. Mine hasn't been great, Brian. No, you know, and that's what I'm saying, Chris. I've heard that. And again, it was my first experience at a concert. I also have been to uh, football games at in the stadium. You know, last season fans were allowed back in, so was able to hear it. I agree with you. You can't hear the PA announcer worth a damn. Where obviously at Sam Boyd Stadium, at uh, the Thomas and Mac, even at T-Mobile Arena, I don't have a problem hearing the, the in-house announcers where you do there. But um, like I said, from down on the field where I stood, or right right in front of the stage, the sound was absolutely exceptional. Um, I didn't hear the first warm-up band, but the two bands I did hear, obviously the Chili Peppers and the band before them, I heard clearly. I both both thought they sounded excellent, and um, it was is a really really cool venue. I mean, it's amazing when you're standing there on the field. So you get a little bit of a feel of what it must like be to be them. Because we were in what was called the pit that was friends and family of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. So it was really kind of cool. Of course, Chad Smith being a friend of mine hooked me up. And it was really neat. But um, I heard the game fine. I was just, you know, it's, it's almost emotionally overwhelming 
when you turn around, like when they come before they come back for their encore, it's always been this way at almost all concerts that are decent that I've been to. And you see everyone holding up. Now they don't hold up lighters. They hold up their cell phone flashlights. But it's really cool. And you look back and it's like, wow, it's emotional almost because it's just a sea of lights and just an appreciation for the band and wanting them to come back and do the encore. Really cool. I really enjoyed myself. And, um, uh, you know, I recommend checking it out. But you are right, Chris, as far as up in the press box. And it's crazy from the field. You look at the press box and you can see why people say the nosebleeds. God, it's amazing. Uh, uh, we all don't get nosebleeds how high up we are when you look at it from a perspective being down in the field. And that was really crazy. It didn't seem so far away when I was watching games, when I was watching UNLV games from the field, as it did standing there at the concert venue. It was like, wow, that's high up. That press box is way the hell away from here. But anyways, a great concert. I highly recommend it. And uh, thanks to the Chili Peppers. And next week, when we get back on video, I'll make sure Spencer plays a little bit of the video I took. So you can even hear it probably, how good the acoustics are and how cool the stage and the setup was at Allegiant. Really cool, and uh, hats off to all of them. The, the most difficult or the worst part was getting back across the um, that bridge that goes across, the Hacienda Bridge that goes back across the 15 to get to Mandalay Bay. That was probably the worst part of the experience was the foot traffic. It took forever. Just like you felt like a herd of cattle that's just all lumped together. But anyway, enough of that. Let's, let's move on, Chris. Go ahead and hit nightcap. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was talking to a few of my friends and, like, you know, I actually thought I would get some negative feedback about talking about the Golden Knights when we're in the middle of the summertime. Um, even though they're they're rolling in and they're they're working all season long, but you know the Knights have been a huge part of this community since the inception in 2017, and I feel they deserve that part for just what they've done to this community. They've turned Las Vegas into a hockey town, and even when they first were coming to Las Vegas, and you know I know that the, that uh, Bill Foley got awarded the expansion team, and uh, they were coming and everything else, I had no clue that it would be like this. And, you know, I, I mean, if they have many more seasons where they don't make the playoffs, I know things might cool down a little bit, but I really think uh, Las Vegas has really morphed into a hockey community, so to speak, when you're talking about the West Coast. Who would have ever thought that? It's really cool. And like I said, until otherwise noted, it will kick off my show forever because I really enjoy talking about them, and I think it is very significant and prominent in the city of Las Vegas. Uh, they love their Golden Knights, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. But, Chris, uh, you know, the, the big story is the salary cap. It's been the story that's been talked about, you know, who's going to go. And, you know, already a couple of guys in the last two years, you know, two of the most successful Golden Knights, and I think the most popular, obviously, Mark andre Fleury last season, and now this season, Max Pacioretty gone. And, um, you know, two guys that were very well-liked in the locker room, obviously very well well liked in the community, but yet, and when you look at it, I don't know. It really, it cleared a lot of cap space because then they go ahead and sign Jack Eichel, make some other changes. But one change that made a lot of sense, and it wasn't a change; it was a re-signing. Is Friday unrestricted free agent uh, Keegan Colasar signed a three-year deal worth one point four million a year, avoids arbitration that was scheduled for this Wednesday, and. Um, 
I think he's a $1.5 million guy right now. I think in his first full season, I mean, he's been in the league since like 2015, where I say that's when he was drafted. Hasn't played a lot last year, really his first full season with the Knights. But you know what? He was like third among among wingers or forwards in penalty minutes. He fought more than anyone else in the team. You do need an enforcer, and he's kind of filled that role to a much smaller degree since the departure of Ryan Reeves. But I think it's a great signing for this team and a really good signing for him, Chris, because if he goes to arbitration on Wednesday, maybe he gets $2 million, but it's for one season. Here he's bought himself three years to really flash himself. At the end of the three years, when he becomes an unrestricted free agent again, he'll only be 28 years old, right in the prime of what is most people's career. I think this was a good deal for both. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, look, I I, I, I figured he was probably going to get somewhere between one and one and a half. I, when I tweeted that out, people actually came after me like, he doesn't deserve that that kind of money. And it's like, do you watch the game when you say that sort of thing? Like, do you watch Keegan Colasar play? Like, he's he's clearly a guy who is getting, I, I think, probably about what, what his value would be on the open market. Um, look, he he's he's a guy who... You need people like him on your team. And and I thought Keegan Colasar, he was a guy you could see vast improvement of from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. I mean, he first of all, he he's he's gonna give you or he he gave you pretty much a full season. He played seventy seven games uh out of a possible eighty two. So uh clearly an issue with, with him being not healthy was not there with 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 the Golden Knights this year, but I think he he probably got market value. I I thought he would maybe get a little bit lower. I I was thinking maybe like 1.25 something like that, but look, I'm not going to cry over $150,000 or whatever whatever the difference is that I thought he was going to get as opposed to what the Golden Knights signed him for. The key point you mentioned is he he bought himself 3 years. Clearly the Golden Knights felt he was worth giving a 3-year extension to. Um, look, and, and, and I think people will, will look at, it's, it's an unfair comparison to make, but I think people want him to be Ryan Reeves and he's not, he's not Ryan Reeves. First of all, he's a better hockey player than Ryan Reeves. And, and, you know, I, I think the fact that, that the Golden Knights gave him three years and $1.4 million says that they felt that way too. Uh, look, I, I, I like Ryan Reeves, the guy I like Ryan Reeves in the locker room. The reality is Ryan Reeves, he gives you a certain thing and it fits with the Rangers, but offensively he 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 kind of dries up a little bit. Um Keegan Colasar isn't isn't Ryan Reeves. It's such an unfair comparison to make. Uh because Ryan Reeves is is, is a much bigger guy. He's a fighter. And and he he no I'll say this. There's not one player in the league who who does his job as good as Ryan Reeves does his. Like he knows his role. And he goes out there and he plays it to a T. Keegan Colasar is a different player. You 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 want more offensive upside from Keegan Colasar. Look, you got 24 points out of Keegan Colasar last year, and really his first full season in the NHL. He's going to get a lot more time on the ice this year. I think Bruce Cassidy's probably going to roll four lines, and I think Keegan Colasar has an opportunity to maybe move up and, and be a consistent third line player with this team. Whether or not that translates to more points, I don't know. I don't know what the what the lines are going to look like. But I think Keegan Colasar is a guy who, who who probably should crack 30, 35 points next year. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, last year, you know, NHL career high for me at 24.7 goals, 17 assists, as you mentioned, in 77 games, led uh, third on the team at penalty minutes, and he's a solid fourth-line guy. He fits there well. You know, he is more obviously offensively gifted than Ryan Reeves. He's not uh, nearly as tough, being honest, but he is a guy that is going to command some respect. And again, he's 25 years old. He's growing into his role with this team. I think he's a perfect fit. And I think exactly what you said, Chris, 1.4, 1.5 is where he should be. It's three years, 4.2 million. And again, it sews him up and gives him an opportunity to flex his muscle, show his wares, makes him a seven figure guy. And I think he definitely earned that. And as you said, on the open market, that's what I would see him getting. I don't think, you know, if worst case scenario, think, Things don't work out. He ends up getting paid minimally, and he plays down in uh, you know, he's back down in in, in the HL. I don't think that's ever going to happen. I think he's, he's he's a bona fide NHL player now that'll do nothing but get better and improve his wares. And if he doesn't improve, like the Vegas Golden Knights want him to and expect him to, I think he'll play worth more than his money. I really do. I think you'll see even a little bit more of a step up in his game this year. And that's just you know my opinion. But um, I think it was a great signing for them. It doesn't really hurt them. You know, right now the thing that they have to be concerned of is after signing Colasar, Chris, they've got about $8.5 million remaining in cap space, but they still have a lot to do to be at the $82.5 million salary cap for the 2022-23 uh, season. And Still some interesting things when you look at, you know, that cap and where it's going to lead to and what's going to happen. You want, you know, I, I don't know all the things that are going to happen. One of the things, Chris, that, you know, you, you talk about, and I don't want to get too much into it because, again, I don't think it's going to happen, you know, based on certain things. But, you know, William Carlson is a guy who has definitely played under his salary. You look at guys right now that – that they have to make some decisions with a guy like Jake LeCision, a guy like Nicholas Waugh. Well, Nicholas Waugh outperformed William Carlson, who's making a lot more money than him. Not to say that William Carlson, with what he's done, first of all, Wild Bill is a hugely popular figure here in Las Vegas. You know, his first season with the Golden Knights was magical. I don't know that he'll ever get close to that again. 43 goals was just, it was it was magical in that first year. But he is still such an integral part of the team. And Chris, you pointed out many times, there's so much more to William Carlson's presence than just putting the puck in the net for this team. His ability to set up, and especially his ability and his camaraderie and, and, and companionship with Marcheseau and Riley Smith, I, I don't know that, that that team will be, that line will necessarily be put back together again this year. Last year they tried it, it didn't really work out well. But William Carlson is a question mark, Chris, because of the money he demands. Although, even if they decided to trade William Carlson and somehow get out of that no trade clause that he has, you know, still he'd be kind of a hard guy to shop right now, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I I think this is this is going to be a big season for William Carlson. Uh, he just got married about two weeks ago, so so obviously, uh, you know, maybe maybe he he'll have a little more pep in his step. Uh, corny pun, I know, but uh, look, he, I think the only part of his game that's missing is is putting the puck in the net because he 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 does so many other things. And whether or not that makes him live up to what they're paying him, I'm not the person who gets to decide that. But I, I, I will say this, Brian, he does need to score more goals. And I think he knows that. I think he'll be the first guy to tell you that. 
You know, he said something really interesting last year about confidence. And you could tell that there are times when he doesn't play with confidence. And the one thing I would like to see more from William Carlson is shoot the puck more. Like, he... I, I think at this point, I'm I'm okay with the idea of breaking up that line of Carlson, Marcia, so and Smith, because I think that the part of the problem is those three guys are so comfortable together that they're so unselfish that a lot of times they'll pass up a shot to make an extra pass to, because maybe they think one of the other guys is in a better position. And sometimes it's not the case. It's like shoot the puck and, and, and worry about passing it at a different time. Uh, you know, we see that so much with those three guys where they're just so unselfish and they, they 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 absolutely love each other. They're like, they are literally like the three amigos. I mean, those guys, if if you see them off the ice, they're like best friends. I mean, it, it's incredible. Jonathan Marcheseau named his kid after William Carlson. One of his children is named after William Carlson. So, <laughs> um, you know, that tells you how close the three of those guys are. Yeah. So, um, you know, Riley Riley Smith's wife is is uh, very very close to giving birth. So I wonder if if they're gonna. I, I should have asked him when I, when I had the chance to talk to him a couple. I guess about three four weeks ago before the softball game. I should have asked him. Hey, are you gonna uh, are you gonna name name your kid William as well? <laughs> that would have been pretty funny if both Riley and Marcia so named their kid William. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, we all want to see William Carlson score more goals. I think he obviously wants to score more goals, but. He's such an unselfish player that a lot of times he, he passes up that that shot because maybe one of the other guys is, is, has an opportunity to score. Um, I think he needs to become a little more selfish sometimes. But, yeah, Brian, he we, we need, and, and I say we as in the media who, who covers a team, the fans, the city of Las Vegas, and, and I, I you know, I'll, I'll say that the Golden Knights would probably want William Carlson to be a 20-25 to 25 goal scorer. I think it's certainly possible that he's a 20 to 25 goal scorer every single season. I'll also say this, Brian, they are going to need someone to step up and fill the void of Max Pacioretty. William Carlson is a perfect guy to do that because he scored 40 goals in the NHL. He's a guy who, who he, I, I, I don't know. I haven't looked recently, but he's like the second or third leading scorer in team history in, in terms of goals. So he's a guy that they need to score. And, I, I, I think this is going to be a good season for him. I, I have a feeling that a new a new system that will that rewards guys on the power play, and William Carlson is an excellent power play guy. I think this is going to be a, I don't want to say rebound season, but I, I think that's probably the right word to say. It's going to be a rebound season for William Carlson, and you know he 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 certainly I think would love to have a twenty to twenty five goal season. No, I, I, and like you said, Chris, he's capable of it. He's capable of putting up numbers that we saw Max Pratt already because he's proved it. And it's not surprising he's the third leading scorer. I mean, 43 goals that first season is going to put you up there regardless. So, um, so you know, we'll we'll see what happens with, with Wild Bill. I sure hope he comes in the team, and I feel good about myself because I remember that first year, um, you know, talking about it, and it was more or less about midseason when obviously Carlson was scoring all those goals and surprising everybody. But, you know, we were constantly getting asked, you know, if you're going to buy a Golden Knights jersey, who should you buy? And I always said Marc-Andre Fleury or William Carlson. And, uh, you know, Fleury, I don't think he could still go wrong having his jersey. One day when he retires, I, be- I do believe they'll erect some kind 
kind of monument or statue to the guy somewhere around or inside of T-Mobile Arena. I mean, he basically was the founding father of this team as far as players go. And William Carlson, I mean, no one will ever forget what he did in that first season. You know, to come from the Columbus Blue Jackets, he was just one of the misfits. No one knew who was going to definitely stand out and do something like that. But I think all of us felt if somebody did, Chris, it would have been somebody like a James Neal or somebody like a, a, a David Perron who did have a really good inaugural season. And then Neal did too. Neal was one of the leaders of this team. But no one expected it to be William Carlson. If you said 43 goals, it would have probably been one of the two aforementioned guys you would have said would have done it, not Carlson. And yet Carlson was the guy. So just like you, I hope nothing nothing but the best for him and for this team. And, hey, we're less than two months away from the start of the VGK preseason schedule, which starts September 25th. They play at Colorado, the reigning Stanley Cup champions. And, uh, you know, that'll be a nice little good, uh, a good parameter of what's going to happen. They play Colorado twice in their first two preseason games. So they get a good little feel of what's going to go on. And, hey, this team is going to form very soon. The salary cap's going to come into place. They'll be at 82.5. And they'll figure out a way. They've got some guys still on long-term IR. And, uh, you know, probably to me, you know, as much as Carlson's the biggest question mark this year, to me, the biggest question is going to be Mark Stone. We all know this guy's ability. Mark Stone has the ability to be a top-five NHL player and has been and is respected that way amongst players. But, number one, he is got to stay healthy and find a way to be healthy for an entire season. I don't know how that's going to happen based on what we've seen. And Mark Stone has got to be more productive offensively. I mean, no one has forgotten the way he kind of disappeared in the postseason both the last couple of years. You can blame that on injuries, but nobody wants to hear that. That's part of the game. You've got to be productive, and especially when you are, you're the team's captain and you wore the first C ever because of your ability to be extremely productive in the league. All right, let's move on. I've been waiting to talk about this, and I want to get Spencer on the show um, and hit fact this, Chris. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. It's a fact. About six months ago, U.S. women's basketball star Brittany Griner was arrested at a Moscow airport and accused by Russian prosecutors of trying to smuggle less than one gram of cannabis oil in her luggage. Thursday, she was convicted of deliberately smuggling drugs into Russia and sentenced to nine years of jail time. It is also a fact that the amount of illegal substance she was caught would and should garner no more than a 15-day sentence. Therefore, this obviously has raised concerns. She is being used as a political pawn in Russia's war against Ukraine. I think everyone pretty much knows that. I don't want to beat a dead horse into the glue factory, as this has been a topic of conversation on sports shows all week long. But, guys, we got to chime in on this. And, Spencer, I'll bring you in. I know you follow the WNBA. I know you're extremely passionate about it. I watch it as well, especially with a team like the Aces that are so successful. Could very well this year bring Las Vegas its first major professional sports championship, and that would be a WNBA title. But, Spence, I mean, this is almost head-scratching now. I, it's been a topic of conversation, I said, on all sports shows. Um, I mean, less than one gram of cannabis oil, and she's sentenced to nine years in a Russian jail. This has gotten to the point now of being completely ridiculous. 
it, it is ridiculous. And I think a lot of it, it doesn't just have to do with Ukraine. It's just like a, it's just a political stunt because they know they can. And rarely do other countries just take in people and arrest them like this. But they're trying to get some sort of like arms dealer in exchange. So there's really no winning in the situation for anybody except for Russia. And obviously, well, hopefully the United States doesn't cave in and give a dangerous arms dealer back to the Russian people. But that's also part of the whole process where now like it comes out on social media that we're going to exchange this very dangerous person for a WNBA star. And that's just a bad look. But of course, everybody wants her to come home because she's an American. And it's just it's a lose lose. I have no idea what they're going to do. There's probably going to be more negotiations. But the longer it drags on to me, the better it is for Russia. You know, she's already been there for, for you know, since January. And, 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 you know, the arms deal, it's just ridiculous to negotiate for an absolutely dangerous criminal. But you know what? Worst case scenario, give the criminal back to him. The guy's not allowed in the United States. He'll never be allowed back here. And, uh, you know, let him go terrorize Russia. But, you know, in all seriousness, you know, and, and obviously that's a poor, poor humor. But I am to the point now where, Something has got to be done. I mean, there are people and, and morons, and I've heard it. Uh, one of my good friends on another show spoke about somebody that it, you know it, it, it called him up, and uh, and I know all about it. I talked to him privately about it and made derogatory comments about her race, about her sexuality, and even about her sex. And a lot of people saying stuff like that. You know something? I, I'm sorry. I believe, and maybe I'm wrong, but I believe that if it was a mailman that was over there and you knew he only had that much cannabis oil and he was caught with, they'd be battling for him, too. I'm hearing everyone older. No, the difference is it'd be a lot. He wouldn't be detained. It wouldn't do any good for them. There's no political gain in detaining a mailman for, for less than a gram of cannabis oil. But there is something to gain by detaining a, a, a public figure in the United States, and that's why she's being detained 100%. There's no other reason. Yep. If she wasn't a public figure, she would have gotten 15 days max, and she'd have been home a long time ago. This, You know, somebody's got to step up and flex some muscle here. This is ridiculous. Yeah, I think the thing that really bothers me the most is I can remember a time, and, and maybe I'm being nostalgic here, and obviously... The political climate in this country has changed quite a bit in the last five or six years where basically if you don't worship the flag and worship the national anthem, you may as well not be American. Like apparently freedom of, of speech is no longer permitted in America to a certain segment of our population. But a lot of people are openly cheering her being punished and being detained and being sentenced for nine years because of her political beliefs. And Brian... You and me are, are, are a bit older than Spencer. I can remember a time where if there was an, an American who was detained in a country, the entire country would rally around, you know, in, in, in an unjust manner. Let, let me throw that in there. I understand that she, she was bringing the, the cannabis oil into the country. It was, it was an insignificant amount. She said it was a mistake. I don't know. You know, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Well, I wasn't, it was stupid but, regardless of but, what but, it was. But here's the thing, Brian. But, but, but the, the, the thing is, a lot of people also ignore the fact that she was playing for a team that was owned by one of Vladimir Putin's buddies for eight years previous to this. And she never had any issues in Russia. I wonder why. 
I wonder if it's because she was playing for Putin's buddy's team that she had no issues in Russia, right? And and sure enough, he detains her about three weeks before he unjustly decides to invade Ukraine. Um, You know, the, the thing that bothers me the most is the people openly cheering for her to be punished just because she spoke out for for black rights, for LGBT rights. The fact that she's been vocal about standing up for people who, who are treated unfairly and whether or not you believe it or not, and I don't mean you personally, Brian, but people listening, whether or not they believe that that gay people are, are are treated differently in this country or that black people are treated differently in this country, there certainly are plenty of cases to prove that that's true. I mean, we're talking right now about possibly removing the right for gay people to marry. I mean, think about that. Who cares if two guys or two women want to get married? The fact that this is even a topic of discussion and and, and people are, are using their hate to, to treat people differently, it, it, it disgusts me. And the fact that people, because Brittany Griner decided to speak out and speak up for the rights of those people, people are openly cheering Vladimir Putin, a murderous, vicious dictator who kills his own political opponents. I mean, let that sink in. And people are cheering for that guy because Brittany Griner had the right and in their mind had the nerve to speak out for for unjust you know treatment of, of certain people people in this country it disgusts me at the end of the day Brittany Griner is an American and part of that deal that, that that they're discussing to bring her home also includes a guy named Paul Whalen who was working for Brian you may know the company Borg Warner obviously anyone who follows IndyCar racing knows Borg Warner it's an auto parts manufacturer he was the head of security for that country and he was detained in Russia he's been there for many many years because they say he was spying he was the security director for this Borg Warner company. The idea that Russia just detains U.S. citizens because they have a hunch. Let's let's be honest. The court in Russia was a kangaroo court. Brittany Griner was never going to win, regardless of whether or not she no, was you know, in, she, innocent. She humbled the hell out of herself too. In the uh, when she stood up and spoke, she apologized. You know, she apologizes though she like committed a, a major crime or yeah, something. Yeah, I mean, like you said. A Russian citizen would get 15 days for that offense. Brittany Griner has already served six months, and she's going to serve, what, another eight and a half more, nine years, for a minor offense? I mean, I understand people, people are, well, she shouldn't have broken the laws of that country. To give her that kind of sentence, and, you know, I saw Becky Hammond tweet something out, and God bless Becky Hammond for, because Becky Hammond has said a hell of a lot more than Brittany Griner's college coach in in, in Kim Mulkey, who is now who was her coach at Baylor, she hasn't said a word because, quite honestly, I think she probably is one of those people who who is cheering for Putin because she's proven in the past that she's a horrible human being as well. So I, I, I it, it boggles my mind that we have Becky Hammond who is speaking, and Becky Hammond has a lot of experience because she played in Russia. She, I, 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 she played for Russia in the Olympics. You remember that? She was a yep. Russian Olympian. Yeah. And, and she's speaking up for Brittany Griner because it's the right thing to do. Look, I don't care if you like Brittany Griner or not. I don't care if you like the fact that, that she's a lesbian. I don't care if you like the fact that she's black. But at the end of the day, she's an American. And she's being treated unjustly and unfairly by a murderous, villainous, villainous dictator. We've got to get her home. 
if that was your daughter, your sister, you would certainly have a different tune. You certainly would be scared for her. I don't even know her, and I'm scared for her. I don't know what's going to happen to her while she's in Russia. And, and, and I get it. Look, she broke the law. But it's such a small thing that she did. And they, they basically, basically, it's like, in this country, it's like, if you don't pay your speeding ticket, them throwing you in prison for nine years. Yeah, you know, Chris, and what I will say about it, you're absolutely right. And I mean, it, you, know, if, you know, the bottom line is, if you want to humble somebody or scare somebody, the 15-day sentence in another country would have scared the crap out of anybody enough as it is. You don't need to do more. And if you've seen a picture of Britney in prison, they just posted one. She's in a jail cell. I mean, it's not... It, there's nothing prestigious about it. It looks like it looks like she committed armed robbery or murder. It's ridiculous, and you're 100 percent right. It's, it, it 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 speaks volumes to the stupidity of of a lot of people in this country to sit there and rip on her and get behind a guy like Putin, who, as you said, is a murderous, political bungling scumbag. Period. And to get behind him for anything other than maybe the type of gummy chews, if you know, you're a moron. And it's that simple. And, and really, it just it, it, it does speak volumes to the rest of the world about how stupid we can be in this country sometimes by some of the citizens that really just speak out of their ass and don't know what they're talking about. And again, Chris, great point. If it was your sister, your, your, your girlfriend, your, you know, your friend, anybody that was close to you, you'd be up in arms over this, and you should be over it because it's something to be up in arms about. It's just plain, it's plainly and flat-out wrong, and that's all there is to it. And anyone that says differently, you're just an idiot or you're looking for a scapegoat or somebody to be mad at. Go look at yourself in the mirror. Seriously, if you, if you think anything other than that, that there should be a huge rallying cry to bring this woman home. It's ridiculous. All right, real quickly, uh, Chris, and see if we can get Mike on the phone. But I, I just want to talk, Spencer, in the meantime, we can talk about Aces Up real quick. And uh, with four games remaining in the season, the Las Vegas Aces um, uh, are, are still the best team in the Western Conference but they're tied with the Connecticut Sun for the second-best record in the league now, two games behind the Eastern Conference leader, the Chicago Sky. Their next game's today at noon. They play at the Seattle Storm, who are only actually two games behind the Aces in the Western Conference for the top spot there. Then their final three games are at home starting Tuesday versus the only somewhat easy game remaining. They played the Atlanta Dream on Tuesday. Then they have the Sky on Thursday, and they end the regular season again playing the Storm next Sunday. Um, with the new playoff format in 2022, um, we'll, uh, we'll delve into that a lot more next week, but eight teams will make the playoffs. I don't like the fact in the first rounds that the better record gets the first two games and the worst record gets the third game. I know you save money on travel, uh, but you know the bottom line is if, if that game, if the, the team can steal one of the first two games, they get the deciding game at home. That doesn't make sense to me. It should be one 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 if you're going to do three games. You got to spend the extra money, but I get it. Um, but again, with that playoff spot, it's still possible for the Aces to end up as high as the number one seed in the WNBA. But what's crazy is they could end up on the road as the number fifth seed in the WNBA, depending what happens in these next four games. And three of the four of them are really, really tough. Good game today on the road, their final road game. 
So going to be interesting to see. Spencer, um, you know, the Aces tailed off a little bit lately, but arguably the best backcourt in the WNBA with Jackie Young and, of course, Kelsey Plum, who's just coming to her own, might even be the MVP of the league this year. Um, you know, and then you've got the face of the WNBA with Asia Wilson. Did the Aces win the WNBA title? I'm going to ask you now. Obviously, we'll talk a lot more about it next week. But real quickly, 30 seconds to the Aces win the title this year. They can, and I hope they do because I put a bet on them, to, uh, quite a sizable bet on them to win the WNBA championship the day, literally probably five minutes after the announcement for Becky Hammond. I felt like they were one really good coach away and all of their offensive numbers, first in offensive rating, number one in pace in the WNBA, uh, all those things reflect a really good team. So yes, 100%, they can definitely win the title this year. Okay, well, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think it's going to be a little bit tough I think the Chicago Sky, man, they've been consistent all year. As the Aces have been, like I said, they're on kind of a little bit of a slide now. And Seattle's no slouch. I think they could, uh, they could definitely, um, they could definitely make some things happen as well. But I do like seeing what what I'm seeing with, uh, I do like seeing what I'm seeing with them. So. Anyway, uh, you know, we, we will see what happens. We'll try to get out to a game. They'll definitely be in the postseason with eight teams making it. But I know you really want one of those top two seeds in the league and, uh, you know, going into the postseason. And right now, again, they're tied for the second-best record in the WNBA. And it's not conference-specific. Another thing I don't like about their playoff format, the one seed plays the eight seed. You kind of dish the two conferences. Well, if you're going to dish the two conferences, why even have them? That's that's kind of my feeling on that. So um, so anyway, uh, we're we're going to move on. Uh, and, and and something else I wanted to talk about. And um, you know, w- real quickly with the Aviators, I did want to mention Las Vegas Aviators. Really big homestand this week, and they kind of blew it. The Aviators, which is kind of surprising, but they are getting some people called up. But they've lost six in a row and thirteen of their last sixteen, including their last five at home to the Reno Aces, who were only two and a half games in front of the West, in front of them in the West Division of the Pacific Coast League when they arrived last week. The Aviators are now seven and a half games behind the Reno Aces, only one game in front of the Salt Lake Bees for second place in the Western uh, Division. Um, the playoffs are uh, now a real long shot for them. They have one home game left against Reno tonight at 7 o'clock. You can check them out. Reno, really, really good good team and a statistic Russ Langer said I heard on the radio yesterday about Reno's um, ability to come back at the end of games is one of the is the best in the Pacific Coast League this year I forget how many games he said they've come back for but where they're down late in games and they come back in like ninth inning square and, and I think the statistic was actually now that I'm looking at my old notes he said they're the best team in the league in scoring runs with two outs that's huge. I mean, when you score with two outs, that's great. But uh, again, then then after tonight's game, they're on the road for nine. Their next nine games will be at Tacoma for six, and they'll be at Sacramento for three after that. So um, definitely get out there again. You got You still got another month to check them out at the Las Vegas Ballpark when they're in town. One of the greatest facilities. I, I've never seen a facility like it in AAA baseball. It's a miniature version of a major league ballpark. The only thing that, that, that differentiates it is you don't have enough seats for it, to be, for it to be a major league ballpark, but it has all the other makings of pool and center field. And if you haven't been down there again, go down there. You're going to enjoy it. Not that Cashman was a bad facility, but boy, it's night and day. They're not even comparable. I mean, definitely go. It's a state of the art as it gets, especially for a triple A uh, ballpark. Guys, uh, let's let's get into the Raiders uh, right now. 
and uh, talk about the Bones. Um, Thursday's win, the Hall of Fame game versus Jacksonville, 27-11. to um, You barely saw the starters. I was surprised that Josh Jacobs carried the ball as much as he did, um, knowing uh, you know he's had some injury issues. There was one tackle on the guy, Spencer, that I saw early in the game where it almost reminded me, but it wasn't quite as quick, obviously. He, uh, J- J- Jacobs, nothing like Bo Jackson, but it reminded me a tackle where the guy hooked onto a leg and you saw him kind of jerk his hip and then go down. He was fine. Nothing happened to him, but it scared me a little bit. And I said, whoa, you know, this is the Hall of Fame game. These guys have hardly been at camp. Get the starters out of there immediately. The only kind of starter that I'd want to see in there is a guy like Alex Leatherwood, who does need the work because right now, at least in the Hall of Fame game, he was starting at Derek Carr's blindside tackle position, and that's moving from a guard last year that they had to move him to guard because he just wasn't effective to to protecting the blindside of Derek Carr. A huge move, and to me, he needs all the work he can get. But as far as the rest of the starters go in a game like this, I was shocked to see Josh Jacobs in there on the third series. Yeah, um, are we cutting to me, Brian? Sorry, I didn't yeah, want to cut absolutely. you off there. Okay, uh, there was a couple things that I noticed just from the game in general that I think are worth noting. So the Stidham trade, this looks really good. And it's not like, oh, you know, Stidham is the greatest backup quarterback ever. It's because he knows Josh Daniels, McDaniels system, and that's no secret. But it's not just that, okay, yes, we had a good quarterback come in and that he'll be a decent backup. It's that... Everybody around him gets better reps. You can kind of say the same for Nick Mullins too, but more uh, Stidham. Because those receivers were able to run their routes that they know, and he was able to find them. He knew where they were going to be. So, again, like I talked about, it's not just getting those QB reps in. It's about making sure that the backup tight ends get some good routes. Like, Boss Moreau had a nice catch. Uh, But when it comes to the Josh Jacobs stuff, I think it's a little overblown. I think he played 13 offensive snaps. Yes, he got the ball, but... There's a lot of good running backs on this team, and he wants to see him, so he's going to. Um, he's not obviously trying a running back the 13 carries, and he gets hurt, even if it is the preseason. That just you know proves to the Raiders organization that he's just not meant to last at that point. Um, the other thing that I thought was noticeable from the preseason game was that the third team looked in sync. Because you can't say like, oh, the Raiders look good. They're going to be good this year. It's not about that. It's the fact that third stringers came in even with Nick Mullins he looked pretty comfortable as well in the offense is that the guys were organized the Jaguars did not look organized with their their new head coach but the Raiders were able to run their offense very effectively throughout the entire game no matter who was coming in and out and that's a very good sign for the team under a new head coach who have gone through changes seemingly every single season no, I agree with you, Spence. And, you know, something that wasn't talked about, they, they, they alluded to it on, I mean, it's been talked about, but not as much as you would think, especially here in Las Vegas, um, is the camaraderie. You know, the fact that they played, they played, they played together in college. I mean, Devontae Adams and Derek Carr, one of the reasons he wanted to come here so bad was to get back teamed up with Derek Carr. And a lot of people were up in arms when he kind of called Derek Carr, he didn't kind of, he did a Hall of Fame quarterback like what Aaron Rodgers is without question going to be. Derek Carr, nowhere near that yet. But he compared the two of them, said going from one Hall of Fame QB to the other. The reason for that is Derek Carr's his good friend, not just to pump up the quarterback where you're going to, to say, hey, you're really confident in him, but you're talking about a good friend. These guys train together in the offseason. 
they know each other really, really well. And Spence, I got to believe that kind of camaraderie, that kind of chemistry, and especially at the talent level, Derek Carr, to me, is an above-average quarterback. I'm not going to say great. I mean, he's had two really good seasons, um, but not great. Uh, but I will say Devontae Adams is a great wide receiver. You're talking about one of the top five in the game, people would argue one of the top three in the game in this guy. Maybe some people would even say he's the best wide receiver in the game based on seasonings where he's at. How big is it? Because, again, it's just not emphasized enough that these two guys have great camaraderie and chemistry. No, they do, and I would love it if I had someone in my corner lying to me like that, talking about a Hall of Fame, but you need to. I mean, that's just the nature of the NFL. You need, you need your hype man, and he came up and he's, you know, put given himself that role, and I think the team looks up to him because he is, like, the by far the best player on the Raiders as it is right now. So he's the veteran. He's been around, and, you know, the connection, of course, in college they had like ridiculous numbers. I think Devontae Adams had like 1,500 yards receiving uh, in his last year at Fresno State. Uh, But yeah, I mean, that's obviously like the biggest point of contention. Like the Raiders have the best offense theoretically in the NFL. You have a premier running back in Josh Jacobs who only last season didn't have his first thousand yard rushing season. Hunter Renfro looks to be one of the best slot receivers in the NFL. You talked about Devontae Adams, of course, being at least a top three receiver, if not the best, and along with another top three tight end. So when you combine, and as you saw in the preseason game, quite a deep running back room as well. Uh, So I don't think it's going to be as much of an issue on offense. I think everybody understands how good it's going to be or should. They should be able to put up hopefully 30 points a game, uh, which I don't think is unrealistic, but can they hold teams to under that? I talked about last week. And we were talking about before the show how much they were hyping up the Raiders secondary, the Nate Hobbs and and the Kim kid they got from the Colts. I don't know. I mean, that's not enough for, to convince me that this secondary is going to be locked down. Uh, but I guess we'll just have to see. Uh, and the preseason isn't going to answer those questions. It won't happen until week one when the Raiders go to the Chargers. No, and, 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 and you're right. That's when we're going to really get a gauge on where this team is at, how they can be, and um, – and, and and how it is, uh, you know, you just you just don't know, uh, you know, until the season starts. But you know, it's what surprised me, Spencer, more than anything, was the odds in the Super Bowl. I mean, when you were listening to Chris Collinsworth on Thursday night talk about the Raiders, you would think they're truly a team that could compete in the AFC. I mean, he didn't talk about them as uh, you know for you know winning a Super Bowl, but a team that could compete. And he was just going on and on. And we know now, yes, they have great bookends on defense. I mean, as good of a pass rush as just about anyone in the league right now with what they've done. We watched, uh, you know, we watched Perryman come into his own last year and become an all pro player in the middle of linebacker. They've got really fast, quick, efficient linebackers. They've got a, you know, a decent secondary, not as good as it is, as I think Chris Collinsworth was making it to sound on Thursday night but a decent team, but I am really surprised when I look at the odds. I'm not surprised that both Kansas City and the Los Angeles Chargers are in front of them. 
Kansas City, of course, is plus 900 right now. They're the third favored team to win the Super Bowl. Buffalo plus 650. Tampa Bay's one that surprises me the most at plus 750. It's completely the Tom Brady coffee. And then Kansas City at plus 900. But the, the Chargers don't surprise me at plus 1300. The biggest surprise to me was all the credit they're giving to the Denver Broncos at plus 1800 uh, because Russell Wilson is going there. Yes, you know, some very sound wide receivers. They've got like three of them now that that they're pretty, you know, Cortland Sutton, if he can stay healthy, really, really good. Um, you know, uh, I, you know, Jerry Judy, a guy out of college, you know, Alabama, that everyone expected to be a Pro Bowl player, to, you know, by his second or third year. I definitely see the potential still, but he hasn't risen up to be an upper echelon receiver yet in the league. And to give them that much credit, their defense to me is a little bit depleted and getting older. I, I, I'm shocked by that they're that much in front because the Raiders are plus 4,000, Spencer, which kind of goes with your feeling about their defense and, uh, and the fact that, that I think the odds makers, like I said, I think they can match points with probably anybody in the NFL, provided their offensive line can protect their car. But defensively, like I said, other than the pass rush and maybe the run defense, they're concerned about the Raiders' secondary, and that seems to be why they're at plus 4,000. Yeah, uh, I think you hit it on the head. Like I do, I would personally give the edge to the Broncos just because Russell Wilson has been there and done that. And that's very valuable for a team that really floats around eight and eight without a quarterback, which is not easy to do. And they've done that. But the Raiders got drastically better. And you would think that they would kind of cancel each other out and that you would give the clear advantage to the Chiefs. And then you go secondary to the Chargers because they just improved. They just straight up improved. They didn't lose anybody of like true note that I can think of off the top of my head. And they only added. Now, if whether or not whether or not you know Khalil Mack will be as productive as he has been or if he'll continue kind of his injury prone history we'll have to wait and see uh but yeah like the Raiders have a better offense than the Broncos the Broncos have a better defense but are either of them so significantly more that they should matter that much in the odds I don't think that so personally so I would say there's a lot more value on the Raiders on the betting side of things if that's worth anything to anybody when it comes to season long bets I've placed a couple already, although there is there is one thing I will say, though. There is a much higher chance for the Raiders having a disaster season than a playoff one where they win a game. So you also have to be cautious about that, and there might be value in taking a bunch of unders, especially if you if you look at the alt seasons, it's like seven and a half wins for the Raiders. Like There's, I feel like, a decent value in putting the under if they just lose out all of their division games or if they can't split you know, with a couple of them, that makes the season a lot harder. Interesting. The under. See, I'm, I, I don't know why, Spencer. I like the over even with their real tough division because I think they could beat Kansas City or the Los Angeles Chargers at Allegiant Stadium. And I think Allegiant Stadium is going to be a more friendly confine for them. And I like it. We'll see them go at it again. The Raiders' next game is next Sunday at Allegiant Stadium. They'll be taking on the Minnesota Vikings, and that'll be an interesting game to be the most overrated quarterback in the league and Kirk Cousins based on what he gets paid. But that, again, is my opinion. I know we're running low on time. Uh, they did induct, uh, they did have the Hall of Fame induction ceremony, which was really cool. Uh, people had got in Tony Baselli, no surprise there. Cliff Branch, it was awesome to see him get in. Leroy Butler, a great defensive back for the Packers for so many years. The first ever, ever official inducted in in Art McAnally, and great choice there. Sam Mills, 
you know, I, I don't want to say underrated, but for a guy that was 5'10", uh, probably played bigger at the linebacker position than anybody in the history of the NFL at his size. Richard Seymour, another great defensive end. Dick Vermeil, God, how, how about time he got in three Super Bowls, two different teams he's taken there, uh, won one of them, and Bryant Young, uh, the defensive uh, tackle and end, also a really good player. Um, but we're out of time. Uh, congratulations to all those guys. Next week we'll talk more, and uh, we'll be talking uh, about the Aces getting into the postseason next year, next week. But again, this is out of line. I want to thank Chris Magnum Chapman back in the The Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show with Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Weekdays at 4 on Fox Sports Las Vegas. 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. KKGK Las Vegas.